Welcome. Thank you for joining us today, friends. I'm Sarah. This is Micah. We're the pastors at the Vine Church, and we're excited to be with you online today. We also want you to know that we're meeting in person at our new building um, in West Pasco. So we're very happy to be there, and you're always invited to join us 10 o'clock on Sundays. Absolutely. Good to see you today. Hey, so we're going to dive right in. We are in a series in the book of Ephesians. Uh, last couple weeks, we did an introduction. We broke off. We, we bit off the first little section last week. And today we continue. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Love it. You know, there's so much in here and we're excited to dive into that. Before we do, I was curious, have you ever just really, really longed for something? Have you ever really, really wanted something. I know as a parent, I've experienced that. We've experienced that when we, when we look at our children, there are, there are times when we just long for something specific for them. I know at times that they've struggled with making friends. And so there was a time when my prayers, I was like, God, please just help them make friends. If you've ever experienced that, you know how challenging that can be. There was a time when Alyssa was little that she had a, a very minor surgery, but it was her first surgery. And so it was a really big deal for us. And I remember just praying to God, oh God, please just help her be okay, be with her. Have you ever experienced that, that just deep inner longing for something? And I hear that in this passage as we read Paul's prayer over the believers in, in Ephesus. Paul is longing, praying for the Ephesians. Yeah, absolutely. So last week, as we read the first portion of Ephesians, we read about Paul speaking of all that's been accomplished in Christ. And he speaks of the spiritual blessings that have been afforded to us because of what has been accomplished through Christ. And so today now, he continues this theme. It's not a separate section. He continues to say, and so in light of all of these blessings that you've received, in light of all that Christ has accomplished, here is my prayer for you. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take and we're going to break it down into, into pieces, kind of look at the flow and try to understand what Paul is getting at. And at the end, zoom back out and see. So what is, what's he doing here? What's he saying to us today? Which is really helpful, by the way, when you read Paul 
Paul's work to read big chunks to get kind of the big idea, but then also break it down because he is wordy and the sentences are complex. So yes. it's good to break it down. There's a lot in there. All right. So verse 15, uh, he says, for this reason, again, alluding back to what he had said about all that Christ has accomplished and all our spiritual blessings. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I love that. I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Paul is so thankful for the Ephesians and he's thankful for two reasons. And I, and I love these two reasons and how he pairs these two together. He says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, their belief in Jesus and also faith, meaning their their loyalty to and faithfulness to following Jesus, actively following Jesus. And so Paul says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and also your love for all of God's people. And in the previous section last week, if you missed it, go ahead and hop on the podcast. But Paul specifies, hey, all of God's people, the Jews and the Gentiles, Everyone coming together, uh, believing in Jesus. And here, um, Paul pairs these two things together. When I heard about your faith in Jesus and when I heard about the love you have for all people, which is a demonstration of this faith that you have in Jesus, I've been so thankful and I'm continually praying for you. Have you ever felt resistant to authority? Um, it's that look that your kid gives you, you know, when you ask them to do something. Uh, when we were teenagers, we loved skiing and somehow all of the best runs on the mountain are roped <laughs> off and say out of bounds, right? And so when I see that, I am like super cautious and I do not want, okay. I, I don't try to go there. Is, was that your experience, Micah? Yeah. Uh, these days I, I'm completely... <laughs> Completely reformed. Hey, so um, so resistance to authority. I think as followers of Jesus, we experience a lot of this mm -hmm. often unknowingly. Okay, so here's what Paul is celebrating in the beginning of this mm -hmm. section. He's celebrating their faith that they've uh, they put their faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, I think in the Western Church, specifically in the American Protestant Church, uh, we love Jesus as our Savior, right? He has saved me. I have new life and hope of heaven and all these things. And those are all well and good and, and very true. And we should be grateful for that. But I fear that uh, our enthusiasm for that results in a lack of recognition or submission to the idea of Jesus as our Lord. Mm -hmm. Jesus as our King. And Paul is celebrating here the idea that they have taken on Jesus. They have placed their faith in him as their king. And so he prays a prayer of thanksgiving and then of even more of what they've begun to know. Absolutely. So Paul continues in verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Now, there's a distinct difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone, right? And in here, his prayer is, this is really the summary statement. This is the crux of what we're going to get at in this section. His prayer is that you would know him more. 
Now, a lot of us know a lot about God or a lot about Jesus, or we've heard a lot about the Holy Spirit, but it's a whole other thing to know God. And this is what his prayer for the Ephesians are. They've already put their faith in Jesus. They have their salvation and their hope. They've named him as Lord of their life. And now he's saying, but I want more for you. I want you to know God. I get this idea of like this intimate, very real relationship. It's not knowing about God. It's that I know God. I know Jesus as a risen Savior. I know the Holy Spirit in my life. And you'll notice in here again, like we talked about last week, a Trinitarian language. Not that it uses the word Trinity, but it speaks of God, Jesus, and the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, all in the context of this one sentence. And I, and I think the most interesting statement is he says, I want you to know more about God and describes him in these three parts. He speaks of the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I like this. I need more wisdom in my life. Let's be honest. Uh, less skiing out of bounds and more wisdom <laughs> from the Holy Spirit. I need more of that. And he's that's how he describes the Holy Spirit in the section. And then he speaks of revelation. And I think that's a word we really easy to misunderstand. We think of revelation in terms of apocalypse and fire from the sky and the end of the world. That's not what revelation means at all. Uh, not what he's speaking of here. He's saying the Holy Spirit who is bringing about a new understanding, a revelation, a new way, a new 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 revelation. And he's revealing new things, ideas, concepts, realities to you here and now. The spirit of wisdom and truth, and, and, wisdom and revelation. And he says, I want you to know this God more. And it's through the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we're able to know God better. You know, it's interesting when you look at the Greek, the word for know here is epignosis. And that word specifically refers to a deepening of understanding, a recognition. It, it refers to this relational knowledge, to know someone personally and intimately, to experience relationship with someone. And as you bring up the idea of the Trinity, we see that, that God is a relational God, that God exists in relationship. And the, and God, as God invites us into his family, as we saw last week, as, as we're adopted into the family of God, God gives us this Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, as it's called here, the, the very presence of God living within us. And we're invited to know the Trinity relationally. We're invited into that relationship and that knowledge. Okay. He continues to talk about knowledge in 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The word is incomparably. Apparently that was hard for me in that moment. <laughs> That's all good. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's not an expression we use today very mm -hmm. often. The eyes of your heart. Today, you know, we kind of differentiate between the mind and the heart. And typically we think of the heart has to do with emotions and feelings. And the mind has to do with thinking and logic and reason. Um, but in biblical times, that, that wasn't the case. So the eyes... Uh, of your heart that referred to the center of a person's being. So the seat of emotion and thought and also will is kind of the core 
of your being. So here, Paul is saying, I pray that at the very core of your being, you may be enlightened in order that you may know. And he continues. Okay, so he continues to talk about, uh, I'm praying for more knowledge for you, more knowledge of God. Um, and in the last section, Sarah described a relational knowledge. The Greek word here, uh, now in the right next now. section, uh, for know, for knowledge, is different now. It switches to a different word that relates to knowledge. And this one has a little bit more to do with an intellectual knowledge, but one born of observation. Mm -hmm. Like, I want you to observe and come aware of, come to realize more about God. And he lists three specific things that I pray that you will come to know more of. Hope, the riches of your inheritance, and power. Um, so in, in this idea mm -hmm. of hope, he says, I want you to experience through your experience to come to know hope in a more significant way. I want you to come to understand more fully the riches of your inheritance. We talked last week uh, mm -hmm. as, as Paul had just set up this idea of um, uh, you are the child of God with an inheritance. All that is his, he desires to bless mm -hmm. you with. And finally, with power. And power is a thing that's going to be continued in the next section. But let me just uh, preface it to say uh, I've got a hunch that what we think of as power is not specifically what Paul's going to talk about here. But let's let's continue. So then uh, Paul goes on. Sorry, I lost my place. Here I'm at. We're, we're in the middle of verse 19 here. So Paul goes on to, to continue to talk about power. Um, he says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Okay, so he goes on to define this power, this idea. And in chapter three, he's going to go even further. Yes. And what's going to be crazy is power is going to be related to love. But that's not how we think of power. Mm -hmm. Like if I were to ask you, if we were sitting and having a conversation, hey, what's like the most powerful thing you've ever witnessed? The most powerful person mm -hmm. or thing that you've ever seen? What, what comes to your mind? Like what's, what's coming right now? I think we're all on the same page. We're thinking of an ant, right? What? <laughs> no, an ant. Yeah, they can carry between 10 and 50 times they their own yes. body weight. That's incredibly powerful. That's probably not what you were actually thinking of. You were thinking of uh, monster trucks or Mike Tyson or something, right? Powerful things. We know about power. We've seen and witnessed it. But no, what he's speaking about here is something entirely different, a power beyond what we have known or seen. Remember, his prayer is that we would come to more fully know the power of God, God in all aspects, but the power of God. And here he says, he specifies, this is the power that raised Christ from the dead. We're talking about from death to life sort of power. And he says, this is the power that is in you, that is for you, that has come into this world through a God who loves you and is inviting you to know him more. And, and, and that kind of power, I mean, it's not even comparable to the power that we see around us today. And Paul, Paul goes there. He, he, you know, he says, this is God's power. His mighty strength is far above 
all rule and authority, power, dominion, or any other name that is invoked either right now or in the future. And let's remember to the context of this letter. So Paul is writing to the Ephesians or, or that Christians in that area. And in Ephesus, um, there were many powers present there. It was the regional capital. The regional ruler was was there in Ephesus. It was a thriving co uh, commerce. They, they had tons of trade and wealth. And so there was money there and, and money. There was power there. It was an educational hub. And so there was uh, education also brings about power and um, brought about power. And there was the temple of Artemis, Diana, the, the goddess Diana. And so it was a spiritual um, hub as well. And, and Paul is is comparing that to God's power and saying it doesn't even compare that God's power far exceeds any other power that you see around you or any other power that could come up in the future. And, and we see that here. Um, in verse 20, he says this, this mighty power, it's the same might that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And that phrase that he seated Christ at his right hand in the heavenly realms, that's referring to, to Jesus being king, Jesus being ruler, Jesus being king, that this has absolutely no comparison to any other power that we might see. Okay, and he continues, and God placed all things under his feet, speaking of Jesus, who he rose from the dead. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Christ is king. All things are under his feet. Jesus has all true power, all true authority, and he is head over everything. For the church. Mm. And, and Paul's very specific there about the church, God's people. The, the church can't be the church unless Jesus is ahead of it. And unless Jesus is yes. king. Um, that's the whole point. We're the people of God, the people under Jesus's rule. So what does it look like for Jesus to be our king, both in the church at large and also in our individual lives for a church, it means that the church serves Jesus, that the church serves God. We seek out his purposes and his mission, that our goal is to advance God's kingdom and, and, and to be a part of his mission of healing and wholeness and redemption. That becomes our mission. We yes. surrender to Jesus, we surrender to God the Father, we surrender to the Spirit. And it's really applicable for us. I mean, it's always applicable, especially right now as we've moved to a new location. We're getting to know our neighborhood. We we have new opportunities. We have land that we've never had before. Seeking God's guidance in, in his um his leadership in how we engage. And then as individuals, very similar. But it's much more personal, too. It's like, I surrender to Jesus as Lord. That means I have to give up my desire to be in control and my will to, to have the final say. And I surrender and I say, Lord Jesus, what 
What are you doing around me? And how are you calling me to join you? What would you like? How would you like me to engage? What would you like me to do in, in all areas of my life? It, it is beautiful. And it is also incredibly challenging. It's a daily commitment and surrender to Jesus as Lord. Yeah. So he speaks here of um, the church. Uh, well, Jesus as the head mm-hmm. of the church, the church, the body. He kind of draws this illustration for us. In 1 Corinthians 12, I'd encourage you, if you have some time this week, go and read that and explore a little bit deeper this concept of the body of Christ. Uh, he go, he speaks in 1 Corinthians 12 about um, it has many different parts and they all have to work together. And no one is more important than the other. Uh, They all serve different roles. And he describes the continued mission of God through the church in these terms. Christ will be the head. He will be in charge. He will control this. But we are the hands and feet of Jesus, or we are the body of Christ carrying out, participating in the things of God as Jesus leads us, the church, Mm -hmm. in this world. So let's zoom out. We, we, we broke that section apart. We've looked at Ephesians 1 last week and this week. In Ephesians 1, Paul describes the spiritual blessings found in Jesus, the spiritual blessings found in Christ and God's vision that all things in heaven and on earth would be united, um, healthy and whole under Jesus. And that we, the church, the people of God, we get to be a part of that. We get to be um, a a part of this mission. And and Paul is excited and there's such joy and praise um, in the opportunity to be a part of it. And then today, Paul prays that the believers would know God more and more deeply. Yeah, his prayer, that you would come to know God more fully, more deeply. And, and, and as we talked about a few minutes ago, there's a difference in knowing about God and knowing God. His prayer for the church at Ephesus, for the Christians throughout the region in the first century, and now 2,000 later, years later, uh, applies very well to us. The prayer is that we would know God more fully, that we would know that Jesus is alive, that God is a God of love and relationship who exists in community, a spirit who is inviting us into community with near proximity to relationship with God. Paul's prayer for us today, that we would know God more fully, more intimately, more wholly in our lives. So... So how does this apply to us this week? What what is it that we can take from this and and really um, be intentional about this week? First of all, it strikes me that we have the opportunity to recognize Jesus as Lord, um, to accept Jesus as our Lord, to surrender to Jesus the King. And instead of our default thinking and mindset being, what do I think? What do I want? What What's my decision? But our default thinking becomes, God, what are you doing here? Jesus, what, what would you have me do here? How do you want me to engage Holy Spirit? That becomes our, our mindset and our thinking. And then we're also invited here to know God, to observe and see the good things that God is doing in our lives and in our community, in the world around us, but also to know God personally, to know that there is a relationship that we can have with 
the creator God. And, you know, when we, we talk a lot about relationship with God, but it's just mind blowing when we really stop and think about it, that we are invited to live in a relationship with the creator. You know, when I think of the people that I'm closest to, I think of Micah, I think of our daughters, our, my immediate family. Those are the people that I'm the closest to, that I have the deepest relationships with. And, and when I think about why that is, it's, it's, it's probably twofold. First of all, it's because I'm committed to them. And secondly, because I'm present on a, on a daily basis, I'm interacting and engaging with my immediate family. And our invitation to know God more and more is an invitation to be present with God because God is definitely present with us. Will we now in turn be intentionally present with God? Committed to and present with. That's the invitation for the week to come. That's a challenge. And I want to lay out this challenge, not because it's something you have to do, but because this is something you are invited into. That is the life of God. You are invited to know him and to walk with him. So we encourage you this week uh, to be present. Uh, Commit yourself to him. Maybe this is a first time commitment. Maybe you're ready to pray and say, hey, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. That's a big prayer. That's a big ask. And if you'd like to talk more about and do that in community, maybe you're ready to be baptized and make a public profession and commitment to Jesus. Hey, great. Let's take those steps committed to uh, God and then present with. In the week to come, wherever you're at in, the, in your faith journey, we'd encourage you, spend time with God. Uh, and a great way, as we continue in this series, um, a great way to do that would be to sit down and read Ephesians. Read the whole of the book uh, a number of times this week. And then maybe spend some time in prayer. And yeah, a part of prayer is going to be us either verbally or just in our heads speaking to God. But I encourage you this week, in addition to the things you have to say, to sit silent in his presence, to listen, to allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and to work. This is the invitation of God. This is Paul's prayer and our prayer for you in the week to come, that you would know more of a God who loves you and is inviting you. Mm-hmm. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for your invitation, Lord, for your love and the way you draw us in, the way you want us to know you and the way you know us. Uh, we thank you for, for the Holy Spirit, the spirit here called the spirit of wisdom and revelation that is nudging us and speaking to us and revealing new insights about who you are and who we are in you, in Jesus. And so God, we just ask, well, first of all, we celebrate, we praise you for your love. We praise you for your invitation and just your continual um, openness and your, your arms just spread out, inviting and welcoming us. And then secondly, God, we ask that you would help us to truly, truly, continually recognize you as our Lord, to surrender and to follow you as our Lord and to know you more and more fully. God, I just thank you for your closeness and I ask that you would open our eyes to see and to experience you 
as our loving God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, friends, thank you so much for joining us here today. It's great to see you. Great to be with you today and can't wait to see you again soon. Blessings. Bye, everyone.